But folks, what I, what I want to do today is, is to help you to have more of a proper view of, of spiritual gifts. And, um, and you know, in order to, to, to do this, you know, we're, we're going to have to look at a few things. Number one, um, if we're going to understand spiritual gifts properly, we have to understand it in light of the glory of God. You know, God has a purpose for these spiritual gifts. And, and, and here, here's something else. We have to understand spiritual gifts in light of the individual Christian and the church as a whole. Because there's a purpose for these things. So, um, one of the things that happens when, 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 when Christ ascended, when he left, he, he prepared his disciples and he told them in just a few days that there was going to be a grand opening. That something was going to happen. And when you go to Acts chapter 2, turn there real quickly if you would. In Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spreading out like, like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so one of the things that happens, that happened on the day of Pentecost, this is really when the church begins. And right from the get-go, you see these spectacular use of gifts happen. Okay? Because when the Lord left, he did not leave us alone. Okay? Number one, he sent his Holy Spirit, and he, 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 he did not leave the church without his power, without his influence, without his help. And so he wanted his work to be done in a certain kind of way. And it was going to be done through the use of these spiritual gifts, okay? Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. And let's, um, let's go with verse 15. But practicing the truth in love, we will all grow, we will in all things grow up into Christ, who is the head. From him, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body builds itself up in love. See, to be with the body is to be with Christ. So you should desire to be here when the church doors are open. You should desire to be with other believers. You should love other believers. 
Let's take a look at 1 John. And let's go to chapter 5. It says, everyone who believes, verse 1 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been fathered by God. And everyone who loves the father loves the child fathered by him. By this we know we love the children of God. Whenever we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments do not weigh us down because everyone who has been fathered by God conquers the world okay so here's the thing if you belong to christ you are going to love his people you are going to want to be with his people you are going to want to serve his people you're going to want to minister with his people And he's empowered you to do that. He's given you ways to do that. And that's through the use of spiritual gifts. Now, what's a spiritual gift? Well, when you look throughout the New Testament, one of the things that you find is that generally it's some form of the word charisma. Okay? The root word is charis, which means grace. And so it is a measure of the grace of God. And it's manifested in different ways. Because just as you have different members in the body, you have different kinds of gifts. And one of the things that God does is he gives each person a unique mix of those gifts. something else um, spiritual gifts should not be confused with natural gifts you know um, some people are really gifted speakers but you know a lot of times um, being a gifted speaker, well, really has nothing to do with the spiritual gift of teaching or prophecy or anything like that. In fact, let's take a look um, at 1 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 1. And let's, um, let's take a look at verse 26. Think about the circumstances of your call, brothers and sisters. 
Not many were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were born to, to a privileged position. But God chose what the world thinks foolish to shame the wise. And God chose what the world thinks weak to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, what is regarded as nothing, to set aside what is regarded as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. He is the reason you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, who came for us, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Look, whatever natural gifts you have, well, you know, praise God that you have those gifts. But let's not confuse those natural gifts with spiritual gifts. Why? Well, for one thing, these spiritual gifts, they have a source that's different from the natural gifts. Well, in one sense, God gives all gifts, both natural and, and, and spiritual gifts. But, you know, one, one of the things that, that you see when you, you think of these spiritual gifts is we, we have a tendency to always think of these spiritual gifts as being specifically from the Holy Spirit. But when you look at the New Testament, well, you, you see a little bit more than that, okay? So let's go to Romans chapter 12. And let's take a look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. Okay? So here we see that it is God in general who's giving them. Let's take a look now at 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's take a look at verse 10. Well, let's start with verse 7. For the culmination of all things is near, so be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of prayer. Above all, keep your love for one another fervent because we love because love covers a multitude of sins, showing hospitality to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the very grace of God. Okay? Once again, we see this term, we see God used in general. Now let's turn to 1 Corinthians. And I think when, when most people think of the source of spiritual gifts, they think primarily of the Holy Spirit, and it's because largely because 
It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where you have the most stuff written on spiritual gifts. Now let's go to chapter 12 and let's, um, let's start with verse 4. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. For one person is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, and, and another the message of knowledge, and according to the same Spirit, another faith, and by the same Spirit, and to another spiritual, another gifts of healing, and by one Spirit, to another performance of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretations of tongues. It is, it is one and the same spirit distributing as he decides to each person who produces all these things. And so what you see here is a focus on the Holy Spirit. But now let's take a look at Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start with verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captives, he gave gifts to men. Now, what is the meaning of he ascended except he also descended to the lower regions, namely the earth, he, the very one who descended, is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order to, full, to, to fill all things. And he himself gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. So one of the things that we see here is spiritual gifts are not just the domain of the Holy Spirit, but of the whole Godhead. God has a purpose in these gifts that we would serve one another, that we would minister to one another. So one of the things that we've seen over and over again, okay, is this purpose that we serve one another. Let's take a look. We're already in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's take a look at verse 12. He gave all of these different sorts of, of gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Now, folks, if you love God's people, if you love God's church, if you are a member of the body, hey, that's what you should want to do. You should want to be serving each other. You should be loving each other. You should want to be ministering to each other. You know, 
I, I, I look at lost people sometimes. And I wonder, how do they make it? How do they live without Christ? How do they, how do they live without our brothers and sisters looking out for each other, caring for each other, loving each other? How do they do it? Why do they do it? So if you are a believer, you are a member of the body of Christ. If you are a believer, you're a child of God. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And you have spiritual gifts. But you know something? Believers are not the only ones who get spiritual gifts. You find a few exceptions throughout the scriptures. In fact, I want to take a look at some of those right now. The first of these is a guy by the name of Balaam. Okay? If you go to Numbers chapter 22, one of the things you find is this, this interesting story about this prophet of God. And those he blessed were blessed. And those he cursed were cursed. And if you look at Numbers chapter 23, chapter 22 through chapter 24, you find his story. And it's, it's kind of a, a funny story, and I, I, I don't have the time to go into to, to depth about it. But it's interesting what you see when you look at what the New Testament has to say about Balaam. So let's take a look at Jude. And let's take a look at verse 11. And it's talking about false teachers and false prophets. It says... Woe to them, for they have traveled down Cain's path. And because of greed, they have abandoned themselves to Balaam's error. Hence, they will certainly perish in Korah's rebellion. And he has a lot of other things to say about these sorts of people that aren't good. Here's the thing. Balaam is lumped in with Cain. He's lumped in with with Korah. And you know, because of his rebellion, the Lord had the ground just open up and swallow him. So this is not a good state of affairs, but let's take a look. There's one other mention of him in the New Testament. And let's go to Revelation chapter 2. Let's take a look at verse 14. But I have a few things against you. 
you have some people there who follow the teaching of Balaam, who instructed Balak to put a stumbling block before the people of Israel so that they would eat food sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. So when you look at Balaam, you have this guy who God used. He blessed people. He cursed people. All in accordance with, with, God's, with God's teaching. And despite this, the thing that you see about Balaam is he doesn't know the Lord. We see yet another example in Saul, the first king of Israel. Let's go to Samuel, 1 Samuel. Let's go to chapter 10. Let's start with verse 1. Then Samuel took a small container of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head. Samuel kissed him and said, The Lord has chosen you to lead his people Israel. You will rule over the Lord's people, and you will deliver them from the power of the enemies who surround them. This will be your sign that the Lord has chosen you as leader over his inheritance. When you leave me today... You will find two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelza on, Bel- uh, on Benjamin's border. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you've gone looking for have been found. Your father is no longer concerned about the donkeys, but has become anxious about you too. He, he is asking, what should I do about my son? As you continue from there, you'll come to a tall tree of Tabor. And at the point, at the point of three men who are going up to God, to God at Bethel will meet you. And one of them will be carrying three young goats, and one of them will be carrying three round loaves of bread, and one of them will be carrying a container of wine, and they will ask you how you're, do, how you're doing, and you will, get, and will give you two loaves of bread, and you will accept them. And afterward, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there are Philistine officials. When you enter the town, you will meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place, and they will have harps, tambourines, flutes and lyres, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. And when these signs have taken place, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God will be with you, and you will go down to Gilgal before me, and I will join you there to offer burnt offerings and make peace offerings, And you should wait for seven days until I arrive and tell you what to do. So here's one of the things that we see with Saul. He's a prophet. Or at least he prophesies on this occasion. But one of the things that you find when you look at Saul is that he was never really with the Lord. In fact, when speaking to Samuel, all too often he referred to him as the Lord, your God. 
fact, let's take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now let's go to verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had turned away from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Then Saul's servant said to him, Look, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Just as God had sent his spirit on Saul to do some great things in some ways, and how God filled him so that he could prophesy at the same time, you have this man really depart from God. I guess he never really was with God. And one of the things you find out it, later on is, well, he, he goes to the witch at Endor, he, he's involved in divination, and he commits suicide. Clearly, not with God. And so you, you look at this situation and you ask, how can this be? There's a Puritan by the name of Matthew Mead. He wrote a book, great book, if you can find a copy of it, called The Almost Christian Discovered. And what he does in this book is he talks about how Someone can look like a Christian and yet only be only almost a Christian. And one of the things that he says is that one can have great spiritual gifts and yet be only almost a Christian. And he goes on to say, many is a tailor who prepares an excellent suit that he cannot wear himself. Many is the chef who prepares a wonderful feast that he never partakes of himself. And you know, when you look throughout history, you find guys who were preachers, who were evangelists, who had all kind of gifts, who, when you look at their personal lives, didn't really seem to have any real substance there. So let me suggest to you a few things. What is your motivation? Are you seeking to glorify God? Or are you seeking to glorify yourself? If you are seeking to glorify God, you are going to want to be with his people. You are going to want to serve his people. You're going to want to minister with his people. And you are going to want 
to use the spiritual gifts that the Lord has given you. Now, you may not know exactly what gift it is that God has given you. And when we come back together next week, we're going to drill down and we're going to look into all these spiritual gifts and we're going to explore what they mean and we're going to talk about what your spiritual gift might be so that you can think more about how you can serve the Lord by serving each other with these spiritual gifts. But here's the thing. If you do not belong to Jesus Christ, the fact that God might be using you today, that that, that can be a, a, a pretty sad state of affairs. One of the things I, I uh, used to, to tell my students is when you look at um, the gift of, of, of being a pastor, when you're, when you're called to that position, you know, there, there are two requirements, okay? You, one is that you have to have the gift of teaching, and the other is that you have to have, you know, Christian character. And I said, you know, there are four different possible combinations, okay? You can have somebody who has no gifts and no character. Well, that one's obvious. You know, he doesn't belong here. And, you know, you have some people who have the character, but they don't have the gift. And those people just burn out. And you... And then you have the people who have both the gift and the character, and and you know that they're called. But let me tell you the most dangerous one. The one who has the gift, but doesn't have the character. Because he can fool people. Because people assume just because he has the gift, he's got the character. That just because he has a gift, he is a Christian. You know, you, you can fool me, and I can fool you, but we can't fool the Lord. So if you do not know him today, now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to give your heart, your life to him. But if you do know him today, and you are not serving him the way you should, Hey, now it's time for you to repent too. Now it's time for you to get real. Now's the time 
for you to seek the Lord's will as to how you can best glorify him through serving with the spiritual gifts that he has given you. Folks, respond today. Let's let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for the truth of your word as always. Lord, I pray that if there, there's anyone here who knows you but is not serving you, and I pray that, Lord, that you would draw them today, that they would draw closer to you, and that they would become the person that you would have them to be, that they would use the gifts that you have given them. But, Lord, if there's somebody here who does not know you, Lord, I pray that you would open the, the eyes of their understanding. I pray that, Lord, that you would cause them to repent, that you would draw them today, and that they would follow after you today. Lord, guide us. These things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.